Hi there. Welcome to Yokine Baptist Church. The following sermon was recorded at one of our regular Sunday services. I hope you find it encouraging and it draws you closer to God. Enjoy. Good morning, everyone. Uh, we're looking at John chapter 3, verses 22 to 30. And this is where John testifies again about Jesus. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptised. Now John also was baptising at Anon near Salem because there was plenty of water and people were coming and being baptised. This was before John was put in prison. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you baptised, the, the one you testified about, look, he is baptising and everyone is going to him. To this, John replied, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourself can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, and it is now complete. He must become greater. I must become less. The end. Amen. Well, over the past uh, five weeks, we've been looking at the life of a man Jesus called the greatest man born of a woman. We've called him the forerunner because he's the guy that came before Jesus. Today in our message, we'll see that John the Baptist dies. He lived well and he died well. And when he died, Jesus mourned for him. So we read that Jesus, when he heard about it, withdrew to a remote place to be alone. Today, John is going to teach us how to die well. But before that, I want to do a brief uh, recap of uh, where we've gone in our uh, last five weeks uh, and learn how to live well. Firstly, we learn that God knew John's future, and God knows our future too. God actually told us about John's coming about 700 years before he was born through the prophet Isaiah. And then he reminded the people of Israel again 400 years beforehand through the prophet Malachi. And I should say, if you, need, if you would like some sermon notes to jot down an outline, there's a bunch of them in the foyer you can have. So in Malachi we read, for instance, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, said the Lord Almighty. 
You know, it was, a, it was a dark and depressing time for the people of Israel. And God wanted to assure them that things would get better. You know, back then, people looked forward to the coming of the Messiah, but they had no idea when. They had this kind of vague hope that it would come eventually. But John had them anticipating that the Lord is coming now. And so God is saying to the people of Israel, you have a future. And he says the same thing to us today. See, there's been a lot of talk recently about the emotional toll uh, that the last 12 months or so has had on people as a result of all the lockdowns and the lost jobs, all those sorts of things because of the pandemic. And there's a bit of a sense of despair and hopelessness among people. And to this, God would say, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Scripture tells us that God's blessings are new every morning, every week, every month, every year. Second week, secondly, let me put my tongue back in my head. Secondly, we learn that God prepared John's parents to help him to fulfill God's purposes. And God prepares parents today to fulfill the purpose for their children as well. So we read about John's dad, Zechariah. His division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God. He was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time came, all the worshippers were praying outside and the angel of the Lord appeared to him. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous and mature people. They were being equipped by God to raise this really important child. If you're a parent today or even a grandparent, you have important children. The children God has given you are given to you for a purpose. And like Zechariah and Elizabeth, you need to continue to walk in righteousness to set that example for them. You need to study God's word and share God's word with your children, just like Zechariah and Elizabeth did. You need to be that influence in their lives that is going to help them fulfill God's purpose in their life. Thirdly, we learn that God answered Zechariah's prayers above and beyond even what he could hope or imagine. The angel said to Zechariah, don't be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. You know, Zechariah was close to 50 years old. And every year he would prayed for this opportunity to go into the temple to serve. And finally it was his turn. And he prayed for that for about 20 years. Alongside that prayer, he and his wife Elizabeth had also prayed for a child. And that, that seemed like it was never going to happen either. But on this day, not only did God answer his prayer and choose him to serve in the temple, 
he got a visit by an angel and the news that against all odds they were going to have a son and that son would be the most important person in the world to that point. Ephesians tells us that God is able to do immeasurably all that we can ask or imagine. I'm not sure what your prayers and your hopes are, how high your imagination can go, but God says, I can top that. I can give you even more than you ask. We learned a fourth lesson from what happened nine months later as Zechariah prayed over his eight-day-old son. He said, you, my child, will become a prophet of the Most High. Zechariah made a proclamation, a prophecy. You know, it's not like suddenly these words came out of nowhere. The, prophet, the, the angel had told him. And, you know, that's what prophecy really is. You know, it's not always just predicting the future or having some special revelation. It is just telling people the words of God. That is prophetic. That's about what 90% of what the prophets did. Very little of what they did was predicting the future. Mostly what they did was they went to the word of God and they reminded people of what God had said. And so this is what Zechariah did. Because he spoke the word of God, his words had power to shape the destiny of his son. Words are powerful. Words can build up and words can tear people down. James talked about the tongue as being like the rudder on a ship. You know, it's a tiny little thing and yet it guides this incredible ship. Have you seen what happened over in uh, Egypt last week? A, uh, a giant tanker you know, which is driven by a very small rudder. Um, was blown off course and ended up getting stuck in the Suez Canal and it's holding up traffic and costing billions of dollars in, in world economies. That rudder is a powerful thing. Our tongue is a powerful thing. We need to learn to speak words of scripture. We need to learn to speak words that are encouraging, words that build people up. You know, it's been said that when you're, when you're raising a child that you need to give 10 positive words for every negative one. You know, you can, say, you can say a positive thing to someone five times and then you maybe have to say one negative thing to them and they go, oh, you're always complaining about me. It, it takes a lot to balance out the negative. We need to be relentlessly positive so that when we have the opportunity and, we, and the need to speak something difficult in someone's life, they're going to listen to it and it's not the only thing they hear. And lastly, we learn from John how to introduce people to Jesus. Thirty years later, John's all grown up. He spent six months preaching and baptising people, preparing for the coming of Messiah. And then one day he saw Jesus. God had given him a prophecy. God had told him that this is the one who is going to be the Messiah. You're going to see the Holy Spirit come down on him and remain on him like a dove. And John saw this. So the next day when he saw Jesus and he's in front of the crowd, he said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John's whole purpose in life 
was to introduce people to Jesus. See, John wasn't trying to become famous for himself. John wasn't after money. John wasn't after power. John had one thing only on his mind, and that was to point people to Jesus. And just as John's purpose is to point people to Jesus, so is ours. You know, we're not going out there to to bring glory on ourselves. We're out there to lead people to the Lord. John was the forerunner to say Jesus is coming. We're like the afterrunners. We're saying that Jesus has come. He is here now and he will be coming again. Well, that's a, a brief summary of what we've done over the past five weeks. You know, after John's introduction to Jesus, Jesus and John, the Messiah and the forerunner, actually did parallel ministry for quite some time. And that's where this morning's reading comes in. The Apostle John tells us that as this ministry went on, John's uh, number of disciples started to decrease. His ministry started to get less and less. But Jesus' ministry started to increase and grow more and more. And John was content with that. That was his purpose. And he was fulfilling his purpose. He was quite content for that to happen. But eventually, John had been imprisoned in the fortress by King Herod Antipas. I don't know how you're going to spell that one out. And John does, John, John knows that he's not getting out. John knows that his time is at an end. But he still had a few disciples that were, were kind of clinging on, you know, that were just hanging on to him. And it was like, I really want these disciples to go to Jesus. That's, they don't need to be keeping on me anymore. And so he tried to send his remaining disciples to Jesus so they would follow him. Now, he did this like a rabbi. Right? Remember, we looked at there's not many rabbis in, in, the, in New Testament times because you needed to be able to memorize the entire Old Testament scripture, which is no easy task. But John was a rabbi, and the way, the way that John led his disciples to Jesus was very much like a rabbi because rabbis tended not to make proclamations as much as they asked questions to provoke a response. And so instead of saying to these guys, look, Jesus has been here for two years. Why are you still following me? Go and follow him. So instead of doing that, he did something different. He said to them, go and ask a question. And this is how it went. Calling two of his disciples, Jesus, John sent them to the Lord to ask, are you the one who is to come or shall we expect someone else? So that's the challenge that John gave them. So the men came to Jesus and they asked, John sent us to ask, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Now at that very time, Jesus had cured many with diseases, sicknesses and evil spirits. He'd given sight to many who were blind. So he replied in another rabbi-like fashion, go back and report to John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the Lord, to the poor. In other words, Jesus basically quotes that everything he's doing is a fulfilment of, of all the scripture's prophecy. You see, John knows that Jesus is the Saviour. But he also knows that people need to discover that for themselves. 
they can't be forced to follow Jesus. So instead of just saying to them, look, stop following me, go and follow Jesus, he sends them to do something. He sends them to collect some facts for themselves. He sends them to explore a question. And they said, basically, Jesus is doing everything the Messiah is promised to do. And so their conclusion was, if he walks like the Messiah and talks like the Messiah and acts like the Messiah, well, he must be the Messiah. So John lived a great life, but he also died a great death. And here's the first thing we learn about John's death. Don't compromise on biblical truth. Um, John Bailey, who edited the uh, magazine Christianity Today for several decades, once said, the older I get, the less I'm willing to die for. Have you heard that expression, you know, is this a hill you're willing to die on? In other words, is this an issue that is so important that you're willing to die for it? Because as we get older, sometimes our fire dies down, we become a bit more mellow, and that's okay. You know, sometimes when we're younger, we say things rashly, and as we get older, we're a little bit more careful. You know, maybe at one time we had these super strong opinions about whether or not you should raise hands or, you know, or, um, you know whether you should dance or whatever it might be and you kind of roar, they were so important. And kind of as you get older and a bit more mature, you kind of start to go, maybe they're not that important. They're not issues that are going to save or damn anybody. But I hope we'll remember what John did. When it came to the important matters, the matters that are essential, he told his king the truth about his sin. See, it's okay for us to be flexible in matters of opinion. Uh, in The churches of Christ have a motto. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. And in all things, charity or love. We can be flexible in matters of opinion, but when it comes to matters of biblical truth, we need to hold firm. John spoke truth to power, and it cost him his life. Uh, Matthew records for us that uh, Herod's wife Herodias held a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. It's not an exaggeration today to say that people are still killed for telling the truth. We're probably all familiar with, you know, some of the Christian martyrs over the last 2,000 years, people who have faced torture and death for speaking the word of God, you know, people that were burned at the stake because they translated the Bible into English, things like that. Sometimes these people were killed by other so-called Christians, People who we today would look at and go, well, they're my brothers in Christ. They're a different denomination, but that's okay. And they were killed for that. But it still happens today. Um, Open Doors has a world watch list. It's a list of the top 50 countries where it's most difficult to follow Jesus. And in those 50 countries, there are 11 Christians killed for their faith every single day on average. It is still happening today. Christians are still dying for speaking the truth. 
Now, we might say, oh, is that a hill I'm willing to die on? And we use it metaphorically. There are many Christians around today for whom that is a literal reality, that truth costs them their life. So we need to be prepared to hold firm to biblical truth. But at the same time, we need to speak the truth in a way that people will actually listen. You know, nowadays people don't have any trouble being blunt, do they? Just go online and look at some of the comments. Um, I, I find it amazing that even though we put our name on this stuff, even though, you know, my name is there, there's this kind of sense that when I'm online, I'm sort of anonymous. So I can get away with saying nasty things to people, you know? And people say things that they would never say face to face. It's horrible. And often, what we're getting all head up and, and upset about are really just matters of opinion. They're not even about essential things. And so we say hurtful things in hurtful ways. John spoke truth to power, but it wasn't his status, you know, as a prophet that kept him alive for so long. We read in Mark 6 that John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So John was telling Herod something Herod didn't want to hear. He was telling Herod a very hard truth. You know, it's not much fun when someone comes and tells you, you're sinning against God. And Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. But she wasn't able to because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and a holy man. When Herod heard John... He was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. You know, John told Herod the truth. He told him straight that he was breaking God's law, but he spoke in such a way that Herod wanted to keep hearing more from John. Herod didn't understand everything John said, and yet it was like, just keep telling me more, John. I want to hear more. You know, eventually when Herod had John killed, it wasn't of his own volition. It was because he got tricked into it. You see, so even though John spoke harsh truth to Herod, the way in which he did it kept Herod coming back for more. You know, we learned earlier from Zechariah that words have power. We need to choose powerful, truthful words, but we need to deliver them with such genuine love that people will be willing to listen. John's third lesson on death is about leading others to eternal life. What's the first thing John said when he saw Jesus coming along the Jordan? Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The day after that, he said the same thing to his disciples, and some of them left him to follow Jesus. We learned last week that this was a conversation John had over several days. You know, sometimes leading people to Jesus takes a long time. 
Some of us have been praying for friends and loved ones for years, trying to lead them to Jesus. It takes time. We need to be patient, but like John, we also need to be persistent. So we learned last week when we talked about introducing people to Jesus that John kept pushing. He kept moving his disciples towards Jesus. Right up until the day he died, he was pushing his disciples to go follow Jesus. Gently but persistently kept working on it. John spoke this same message day after day for as long as he could. The only thing that stopped John from declaring the Messiah was his death. Even when he's there in prison and he knows he's about to die, he's still pushing his disciples towards Jesus. John teaches us to never give up. Keep pushing people towards Jesus for as long as it takes. Like John, speak in a way, speak lovingly. Speak in a way that people will want to hear. I always um, say to people that you should be prepared to preach the gospel every day, everywhere you go. And occasionally, if you absolutely have to, use words. You see, we don't need to be browbanging people all the time. You know, we need to be loving people into the kingdom. We need to be servants of God. We need to demonstrate what it means to be a child to God so that people will turn around to us and say, what is it that's different? And that door is open for us to speak. In Acts 18, we read about a Jew by the name of Apollos, a native of Alexandria, which is down in Egypt. He came to Ephesus. He was a learned man and had a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He'd been instructed in the way of the Lord and he spoke with great fervour and taught about John, Jesus accurately, although he only knew the baptism of John. You know, we often kind of just get this impression in the New Testament because it's all about Jesus that you know, kind of John's ministry was there for the first chapter and then it's gone. Yet John continued teaching about the Messiah, you know, for another couple of years. And obviously his teaching had such an influence that someone like Apollos from way off in Alexandria could come and hear John's teaching and he knew enough to be able to teach accurately about Jesus. John set such a good example in his life that people far and away were following his example. See, after John was beheaded, the rest of the story, like it's all about Jesus. Jesus' ministry, Jesus' death, his resurrection, the birth of Jesus' church. But 25 years after John's death, the church is expanding and it's moving to this area that is now modern-day Turkey. And the Apostle Paul runs into some followers not of Jesus, but of John the Baptist. So we read that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we've not even heard there was a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. 
Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told people to believe in the one coming after him, that is on Jesus. And on hearing this, they were baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus. Here we are, a thousand kilometres away from Jerusalem, 25 years after his death, and John still has people following him. They didn't have it all right. They didn't get all the nuances of what it meant to follow Messiah. They didn't know about the Holy Spirit. But somehow John's influence in their lives was so strong that they were ready and able to receive the Messiah that John had so faithfully preached. You know, to the church at Corinth, Paul wrote, hang on, did I get that right? Hang on, sorry. There, sorry. Lost my place for a second. To the church at Corinth, Paul wrote, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. You know, that's our, that's our role. We're meant to be following the example of Christ so that others will see that and in turn follow Christ. Not follow us. You know, John would have been stunned to know that 25 years later he still had disciples because that's not what his ministry was all about. But at least he prepared the way for these people to come to Jesus. Wouldn't it be awesome if we set such a good example that people imitate us after we're gone in following Christ? I want to close this uh, series in the way that the Apostle John opened it in chapter 1. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that all through him might be believed. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. You see, John didn't come to be the light. John came to testify to the light. One day, I hope to meet John. That'll be good. I'd love to have have a chat with him. But until then... We want to be testifying about the light, just like he would if he was still here today. So will you live out biblical truth? Will you speak truth to others, but in a way that they will be willing to listen to you? Will you push people creatively, but relentlessly and patiently towards Jesus? And will you set such an example that people will still follow Christ because of you after you're gone. Let's pray. Our gracious and wonderful Lord, we thank you for sending John. His ministry was so vital in preparing the people for the coming of Messiah. And yet, this guy who Jesus called the greatest man who ever lived was willing to fade away in order that you might be glorified. Well, that's a hard thing to do, to be willing to surrender, to be willing to sacrifice. 
And we thank you for that example that he gives us. Lord, we don't know what our life is going to hold, but we know that you hold our future. And we want to have trust and faith in you, Lord. And so for as long as you give us breath, help us to be your people, Lord. Help us to be like John and set an example for others. Lord, help us to creatively and constantly be urging people towards your your son. Help us, Lord, to be praying. Help us to use our words wisely and sparingly as we seek to lead people to you. Lord, help us to live well. Help us to die well so that as we become less, you become more. Lord, we want to grow your kingdom for your glory in the name of your Son. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. An extra thanks to those who have generously donated to our ministry. You can find more sermon recordings or videos on our website, yokinebaptist.church, or by connecting with us on Facebook. God bless you.